0: British Wrestling Experience with Martin, Oli and Benno. Hello and welcome to episode 5 of the British Wrestling Experience right here on postwrestling.com. I'm your host Martin Bushby and joining me as always are uh, Oli Court and Benno. And guys, the beast from the east has finally passed the... Uh, <laughs> I mean, we'll start with you, Ali. How did you get on with all this snow we've had over the past week or
1: so? (laughs) Uh, Well, I I was actually travelling on uh, Wednesday, so (laughs) that was a little bit hectic. But yeah, all right, I thought Jericho, Neville, and... uh, Baller and Owens, this is
2: a
0: beast from the East joke, which isn't going anywhere. <laughs>
2: <laughs> There's a Bam Bam Bigelow joke in there somewhere.
0: <laughs> Indeed there is. I mean, uh, Benno, you had a bit of a uh, fender bender as our American cousins might like to call it today, didn't you?
2: Yeah, we got we got no snow in Liverpool, really. We got some last week, but not by anybody else's standards. But yeah, this morning, after it's all cleared, I was driving to work, listening to my own podcast, which was probably a mistake, listening back to the Indy podcast. It's quality control, that's all it is. And while I was <laughs> listening to it pulled up at a red light someone just drove right into the back of me well i'm okay a little bit of whiplash i'm all high on painkillers so if my take seem a little bit more hot than usual uh that's the reason why
0: <laughs> yeah we didn't have it too bad where i live anyway but it seems they had uh, it really bad in ireland so obviously ott had to cancel their massive uh, outer space odyssey 3 show this past weekend which looked like another stack card for them due to all the travel disruptions i mean uh Looking on uh, Matt Riddle's Instagram, it seemed he'd flown to the UK and uh, all the shows (laughs) that he was going to appear on were cancelled, so uh, poor old Matt Riddle had a a mini holiday in the UK with nothing to do other than stare out of the window at all the snow we were having, so uh, (laughs) (laughs) anyway, on to uh, British wrestling, I mean, a load of stuff's happened, but let's jump into progress, who held uh, Chapter 64, Thunder Bastards Are Go, at the Electric Ballroom in Camden on the 25th of February, I mean... This featured their uh, eight-man elimination Thunderbastard match, which is essentially, like I just know, they're an elimination match where uh, each participant ends at two-minute intervals. And uh, this version of the match featured Tyler Bate, Trent Seven, Pete Dunne, Mark Andrews, TK Cooper, Eddie Dennis, Chris Brooks, and Flash Morgan Webster. And uh, I thought this was uh, quite a, a fun match. I uh, thought, obviously... Flash Morgan Webster picked up the win here and the subsequent title shot. Um, But the main points coming out of this were uh, the involvement of Eddie Dennis and his issues with Mark Andrews and progress management. I mean, this story's been fantastic so far and a real slow burner to it. I mean, Benno, can you uh, catch us up a bit for those not in the know about this fantastic storyline progress have got going on currently?
2: Yeah, it's. I mean, Eddie Dennis is doing the best work of his career. I mean, he's just considering he's so likable and considering he's got this real life story that he's a teacher who's gone full-time with wrestling. It's kind of crazy that we all hate him so much now, but <laughs> yeah, the general gist is that he's, he's following Mark Andrews around and he's desperate for his, his former best friend to, to fight him. Um, and Mark Andrews just won't go for it. So one thing I would say, I mean, that this show, uh, before the show, they did uh, interview segments with Eddie Dennis and Mark Andrews and, uh, Eddie Dennis weasels his way into this Thunder bastard match, despite the fact that he's, he's out injured. And, um, and they didn't really fully address that on, on the on-demand, so I could imagine anybody watching maybe not being fully clear on why Eddie Dennis is in the match. But yeah, he was just, I think this is probably the best thing progress have done in a couple of years. And I thought Eddie Dennis was a, a huge part of, of why this Thunderbuster match was, uh, was, was probably the strongest part of the match as a whole.
0: Mm-hmm. He seemed to do a lot in this match as well, especially considering he had a uh, mm-hmm. real-life surgery uh, this past week, Ollie.
1: Yeah, he was throwing, like, left hand forearms and uh, all all sorts of stuff going on. Like, he got very physical, and <laughs> I think maybe they uh, didn't tell the doctors <laughs> everything that was going on here. Um, but, yeah, like, hugely compelling, this one. And I think all the little things that Eddie Dennis is doing is really adding up. Obviously, the, the story as a whole is very interesting, but just the change in his, like, facial expressions and the way he carries himself um a very very compelling and like just the intensity on his face when like the the countdown was going down and he really wanted mark andrews and then (laughs) in the rather meta disappointment morgan webster turns up instead (laughs) and then he does get face to face with mark andrews but gets rolled up before he can get physical i thought yeah it was a great way around dennis's injury which has actually only made the story even more compelling because it forces them apart but keeps dennis Always like right behind him. I, I think they're doing some great stuff, uh, and even the video they put up uh, a couple of nights ago now, um, just after Eddie's surgery, where he's still talking about Mark Andrews and says that he was the last thing he thought about before <laughs> the anaesthetic hit, and the first thing he thought about when he woke up. So it's just like this guy is obsessed, and you just want to see the eventual fight, the eventual contact that comes together between the two, and that's kind of a rarity. Um, in Britress right now, like we, we've got all these amazing matchups going on, but nothing that we're really salivating over other than this. This is this is something that when it does happen, it's going to feel like a major deal. It's easily the biggest match in, in Britress right now, and that's even despite the fact we've seen it loads and loads of times before.
2: A lot of it's enforced as well, isn't it? It's the fact that he is out injured, which means we can't go to the match. Progress have got a lot of shows to fill, uh, but (laughs) they they can't really. I mean, obviously they put him in this match, but the temptation to do that singles match isn't there because we know he's going to be out for a while, and it's the reality
1: of the situation that is helping it along.
2: Exactly. That's what connects with it, and that's what I mean. I was looking at the lineup for this Thunderbastard and I was kind of going, oh, "There's nobody really there who I want to see get a progress title shot." And it was just so much more interesting once they put Eddie Dennis in there, despite the fact that he could only get you know involved physically to a, a limited degree. Uh, I think that just says everything about just how good Eddie Dennis has been in progress these last few months.
0: So, what did you think about the eventual winner? Then, Flash Morgan Webster he seems to be a. Sort of treading water in progress, don't they? They Don't seem to quite know what they're doing with him. Sort of Vicky Haskins is coming out with him, and we don't quite know what's going on with Morgan Webster, do we?
2: That's kind of the almost the intent, which is strange to me. It's like they've gone on this losing streak gimmick. It never works in wrestling. Whenever you do it, (laughs) through the history of wrestling, Um, you do this gimmick, and it's not like it gets people over because obviously they're losing all the matches. I've not always been a huge fan of Morgan Webster anyway, and this doesn't help. He just feels like a, like an also run. If he was somebody at the lower end of the car doing his gimmick, having nice little matches like he, he kind of did with Mark Andrews on the last show, I'd be happy with that. Um, but trying to push him to this degree, putting him over, I mean, I almost wanted to say I, I didn't buy him winning this match while I was watching mm-hmm. it, and then he did win it. Uh, maybe that says everything about it, his placement in, in progress at the mm-hmm. moment. and. I know the T's in this heel run with Vicky Haskins, but even that I'm not particularly interested in.
1: I think he's a really good wrestler. Um, But I was I was watching Japan show this morning. Um, Yoshihashi walks out, and I, then it hit me. Morgan Webster is the British Yoshihashi. <laughs> really good wrestler, but just no star power whatsoever. And he's just kind of not a main eventer, and he's almost just, because he's been around for so long and is such a good wrestler, they've just sort of put him in this spot. But it, he just never feels right. When he's like knocking on the door of a world title shot, like he that can be done, but he, like, just his presentation is all wrong for that, and that, that's not a problem. Like, I'm he's he's always been a decent part of Progress and a great addition to their cards, but I just don't buy him in this role, <laughs> he just doesn't exude that kind of aura. Hmm.
0: Well, speaking of somebody who's sort of like the Progress fans, uh. uh don't know what to do with a new uh, turning on slightly let's move on to the main event which was a uh, rematch of one of the best matches to take place on uk soil last year we had a uh, progress champion travis banks taking on matt riddle this was uh, another great match between the two not quite as good as uh, last time round, but still pretty good however uh, seems progress fans starting to turn on uh, travis banks now here ollie
1: yeah, they're, they're leaning into it in the story as well, because Glenn Joseph was screaming about the mixed reaction. <laughs> mm. And if Glenn, jo- Jane Glow- Ugh, stumbling along my words. Glenn Joseph is uh, uh, screaming about something, then you know it's down in his notes <laughs> as something that he has to be talking about. Um, and yeah, so certainly I thought the finish of this match was uh, very intriguing. And I, I really liked it, the way Banks sort of just lucked into the victory and was like face down in the middle of a ring with riddle standing over him like shrugging at him uh i thought it was a very interesting way to present the champion like he sort of weaseled his way into victory here he didn't really definitively defeat riddle um i'm not i certainly don't think they should turn him heel um but and after just sort of that whole botched (laughs) angle they ran with banks brooks and cooper um it certainly seems to be the new direction they're taking in Banks is they kind of want to play him as the Roman Reigns type. Some people like him, some people hate him.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like... I can I can see the the elements of, of a story being told here. Even Travis Banks on Twitter, you know, giving people like myself snarky comments on Twitter when we're talking about the booking and you know saying about how good he is and he's managed to hold on to his belt. So I can see that they they seem to be telling a story here, um, and he does seem to be very much aware of this kind of criticism of of his his booking in progress. But I just yeah, like Ollie just said, I'd wonder what the end game is because I would never turn him heels so where do you actually go with it what's the what's the benefit of, of leaning into it i mean part of it here is that people love matt riddle so a lot of people in the crowd were ready for for a matt riddle win um so i think that does you know that plays into it um there was a couple of moments in the match where you know matt riddle hit a ridiculous that called a bros to bros the old band terminator which probably looked better than the version that travis banks does my god the distance that matt riddle could get on that he even hit a tombstone off the second rope and Travis is still kicking out, and that's a, a criticism I've heard from elements of the fan base. That a lot of Travis Banks' matches do come down to that. There's a lot of big kickouts, and you know he tries to be clever with it. He can, you know, there's slight slightly gets his shoulder up at times, and and plays it into this story that Ollie just mentioned of him, you know, just scraping and keeping on hold of his belt. But yeah, it's kind of a a mix of things. Uh, the way he's being presented in the book, in some of the way the match is built, and and certainly some of it encouraged by. By Travis Banks himself as Mm -hmm. well So it's a strange one I don't know what the end game is and I I don't really know what what good comes of of doing this with Travis Banks
1: I'm not sure how this Travis Banks Matches up against the Jack Sexsmith That's coming up against him In May if he's still holding the title Which he probably will be
2: Jack Saxbeth, who was in the comedy opener match of the yeah. show. Um, <laughs> it's it's just, it, it feels like Progress have got too many shows and too much going on, and things just get overcomplicated. It's almost like there's too many ideas here, too, ma- too many things put into this Travis Banks mm-hmm. title run that really should have been just so simple to book.
0: Yeah, I think that's the problem, isn't it? It's like you just noted there. There's so many shows going on and there's, you know, three guys trying to come up with all these ideas for different things. And I'm sure the wrestlers themselves chip in and, you know, doesn't Jimmy Havoc do some of the agent work backstage? But it's a lot to take on, isn't it? So perhaps they need to uh, either cut down on their schedule, which they're not going to do because obviously, you know, it's all about growth, isn't it? But get some more help because it seems like they, they might be taking too much on. But, um... Well, anyway, moving on to... um Jonah Rock is somebody who made his debut for the company on this show. Um, He's an Australian who's followed a number of of, other South Pacific talents over to the UK for an extended tour, and he's uh, he's come in with a lot of hype. I mean, uh, some fans listening to this might already know him from his appearances in PWG and uh, Pro Wrestling Noah a few years back, and uh, faced off against Zack Sabre Jr. here, who's obviously one of the best UK wrestlers, and uh, Benno, how did you think Jonah Rock came across in his uh, progress debut?
2: I liked it. Um, it was kind of it was your prototypical Zack Saber Junior match in in that Zack Saber's still still this pure babyface in progress. So it was kind of it was very exhibition-y the match. jonah um, Rock himself, I've definitely seen him do better uh, elsewhere than the two uh, British uh, shows I've seen him on so far. One of which we'll talk about later. Mm. Um, I think he did fine. I think he offers something different as, as a big man who you can fly and can have dynamic matches, and Zack Sabre Jr. and him had very good chemistry in just being, doing that big man, little man thing where Zack Sabre's bumping absolutely everywhere mm-hmm. for, for Jonah Rock, and Jonah Rock isn't moving, you know, the, the older story in wrestling, and they kept him strong in that, you know, it doesn't hurt anybody to lose by submission to Zack Sabre Jr., Um they can, he can grab a submission at any point, as we've talked about as I nauseam I and Zack Sabre's other matches on this show, but... Yeah, I, I think I think it was good, if not great. I, I would hope to maybe see him back in progress, and I would like to see him, you know, maybe in a, in a super strong style or or somewhere else where we get to see uh, a bit more of him and maybe a higher level of matches that he can do again. It wasn't a bad match; it, it was just a it was a good match. It was just not a great match.
0: Mm. Were you impressed with Jonah Rock here in his debut, Ollie?
1: Yeah, it's certainly like a foundation for him to build on. Like it wasn't like a Keith Lee blow-away immediate performance um, like a Keith Lee or Matt Riddle has had in the last year and a half. Um, but yeah, ZSJ is the perfect guy to go up against him because they've had matches before in Japan mm-hmm. um, and certainly showed off a lot of what he's about. Um, I think 16 Carrot will probably get a better look at him because he'll be having four matches that yeah. weekend, uh, four matches in four days. So I think he'll probably have a, a more well-rounded knowledge of who he is because i really only know him from like seeing him a couple of times in noah undercard matches like three years ago so i can't really judge him on this one match but yeah it like like beno says it was solid um decent addition to the card but nothing to like uh have fiery hot takes about at this point yeah
2: I've got, I've got to wonder i mean if he'd have won the fan vote he would have been in the title match wouldn't he which yeah. has got its own problems with you know in debuting and going straight into a title match but i wonder yeah if maybe that match with travis banks we'd be talking completely differently about this card now um but yeah not a bad place to slot him in from the start and yeah definitely uh, places to go from here
0: and another interesting match on this card for me was uh, charlie morgan against millie mckenzie and uh we'll talk a lot about millie a lot later in the show but uh Will the real Charlie Morgan please stand up? I mean, she's been having some fantastic matches in other promotions, most specifically uh, all-female group Pro Wrestling Eve, and uh, had some great roars with uh, Kaylee Ray last year, but uh, she's not really been setting the world alight in progress thus far. I don't know what it is. She just seems a bit nervous or hasn't shown the fire that she does in Eve. Perhaps it's... uh, this faction that they put her in here with mm. Ginny, I, I'm I'm not sure. Ali, uh, what do you think Charlie Morgan needs to do to, uh, you know, be getting some of the matches she's been having elsewhere around the country?
1: Yeah, this uh, this House of Couture faction does hasn't really set the world on fire since it came through. I, I think it's a good thing for Ginny to be doing while she's injured. It keeps her around, but like it just seems odd that Progress have never never like f- fully pulled the trigger on Ginny since you know she is a product of theirs and that they were never, like, able to fully commit to her as, like, the main act like Rev Pro have in their women's division. And it sort of has suffered a bit because of that. Obviously, right now she's injured. There's nothing they can really do. But Charlie Morgan has doesn't have a history in progress, and neither does Millie McKenzie, to be honest. She's another one who's just sort of come in from another promotion, and we're just expected to know who she is. See Los Federales Santos Jr. <laughs> in uh, the opening match. Yeah. Um, yeah it's it's a difficult one to talk about it it this match just didn't really go anywhere unfortunately um and it just feels like we're killing time until tony storm can make another date
0: i mean uh, the grizzled young vets won back the tag titles from the team of mark haskins and jimmy havoc there seems to be a weird sort of injury angle in the middle of this match Uh, i'm not sure if a is injured for real i mean he still seems to be appearing for a mlw over in america this week uh beno what did you make of the grizzled young vets winning their tag belts back so quickly
2: oh after that barn burner in manchester i definitely <laughs> wanted to see this thing again um I, I mean a joke i mean the booking is awful i don't understand why you're taking the belts off drake and gibson if it's just because they're going to china because now they got the belts back and they're going to be taking them to china anyway there might be that injury issue with havoc there's been rumors of it but yeah you're right nothing concrete um, I mean, I would say as bad as the booking is, the wrestlers themselves did do a really good job with with what they were dealt with. Zach Gibson. Cutting an amazing promo when Jimmy Havoc got injured and bringing out Mark Haskins and Haskins essentially reverting back to his babyface role and getting all the big responses for his dives, his comebacks and and all of his kickouts as well. It was the only way I think that you were getting a proper reaction from this match because being there live in the building in Manchester, nobody really had anyone to cheer for. Um, and in this match it would have been the same if we didn't kind of have this weird structure so i would say that the wrestlers individually did great and they're also haskins kind of showed where he's stronger um i wonder if you know if this might give them an idea to maybe abandon this heel run with Haskins. Maybe just make him an edgy heel with Vicky in his corner. I'm not sure if that might be an idea. Um, but yeah, I thought he was great. And I thought Havoc and it just coming back out to get the hot tag and just literally taking the finish right away was, was inspired <laughs> as well. They did the best with a bad situation. Not a, a match for, for star rating, but it was at least creative considering the scenario. Uh, But again, a scenario of their own doing I thought the booking Mm -hmm. going into this was awful And it's no one else's fault the progress That there were probably no other teams they could think of To throw into this match Because they're missing um, strong babyface tag teams in progress right now Or at least strong ones that they can use in this role
0: I mean, uh, just quickly before we move away from uh, Progress in related news, uh, I mean, Benno, you managed to grab a sneak peek of their new documentary um, on Progress due to be in film festivals this summer. I mean, obviously this was crowdfunded uh, at the end of last year, and uh, how was the documentary and the sneak peek that you managed to watch?
2: Yeah, we were on the the corner. We got a quick look at the podcast uh, sorry the, the documentary and saw uh, the finish pretty much the finished version of it the 20 minute version went out uh, and everyone saw it earlier in the year it's very much a it's an extended version of that but i don't know i've got mixed feelings on it i think if you watch the the mini version then the best things on that were really mark haskins and his family and how well they came across came across as the most lovely family in the world yeah. um they're great in the longer form version There is some background you get to see with the likes of, you know, uh, Briley Smallman and Glenn Joseph. Um, You see Briley particularly, you know, setting shows up, doing editing in Florida rather than going to Disney World. All that stuff is interesting. And you get to see a little bit of flat ply on the wall stuff where the, the wrestlers are planning the matches. And that's all interesting. But there's just a lot in it. There's no real... I would say there's a for anyone listening to this kind of podcast yet, yeah, you probably enjoy it. But I think there's I can't see who would be watching this outside of the the progress bubble. At the end of the day, this was a a fan funded uh, project. I think they raised thirty two thousand pounds from hardcore progress fans, and I think all of them will love it. But I think as a movie, there's just there's too much going on. They pack a lot in. Um, and it does come across as a big advert for progress. Um, none of the negatives are talked about. WWE doesn't come at once. Um, it's just how great is progress and and uh, how much do the, the the hardcore of the hardcore fans love the promotion. Uh, there's no real balance to talk about, really, with it. Um, so, yeah, as a film. It didn't really land for me. Um, but on the Indy Corner, we got to talk to the, the director as well, and he went through some of the reasons uh, why uh, he made some of the decisions that he made but it felt like he was very much embedded in this in this progress lifestyle and he spent a lot of time with progress fans uh, and maybe it could have done with maybe an outside view uh, a little bit more than than it's got here
0: yeah well they're hoping to a debut at the sheffield dock fest aren't they in the in june so it'll be obviously that's close to me so um, yeah if they, if it does debut there it'll be interesting to go down and see what sort of reaction it has to just a regular film crowd rather than just a wrestling audience so yeah it'll be quite interesting to see that if it does make it to Docfest and uh Moving on to uh, Fight Club Pro, who returned to the Starworks Warehouse in Wolverhampton on the 23rd of February for uh, a tribute to Francois Trebek, and uh, (laughs) nobody seems to be any the wiser as to who (laughs) Francois Trebek is, but this show was a pretty fitting tribute to him, whoever he is, and... uh, the big talking point coming from this one was a surprise match between David Starr and Walter, and this is, was as brutal as you've come to expect from Walter, and certainly uh, worth going out of your way to see, and these two have uh, a lot of history together, don't they, Ollie?
1: Oh yeah, it's one of the best feuds in, in Europe right now, really, the world of wrestling, I'd say, it's incredibly compelling, and it is based on the idea that um, it, it's kind of an odd feud because only Walter has beaten David Starr, never the other, res, other other way around, result-wise. And also, David Starr has never really come close to beating Walter. Like, he gets he gets near falls, he gets moments where you think he might be able to do it, but at the end of the day, he's never really been in charge of a match. He's never really gotten Walter in a position of serious danger. And every time he, he manages to get something on Walter and looks like he might be able to build some momentum, Walter just stops him dead. <laughs> it's, it's a really intriguing dynamic between the two of them, and it, it sort of reminds me of uh, All Japan 90s booking, where one guy beats the other guy many, many times, but the other guy gets closer and closer and closer to winning, or like takes one more move of Wal- like Walter to put away Star for good. It's that kind of feeling. It's very intriguing, and I want to see it go on a lot more. And the fact that they're like bringing it to other promotions, I know they did it in America at the end of last year, and now they're doing it. They did it in Fight Club Pro just on a whim, seemingly. <laughs> um Yeah, that's exciting. Uh, but I, I I worry about what Fight Club Pro gets out of it because at the end of the day, it kind of just furthers a WXW story rather than anything of their own, and we'll probably talk about that in a little bit about Fight Club Pro. But as as to what this match was, yeah, just <laughs> very tense and very personality driven. Like there were shots of Star just like underneath Walter, just trying to fight his way up him. <laughs> it was that kind of thing. Shadow of the Colossus Esque. <laughs> and yeah, very <laughs> the the moment where Star get hits him with a German suplex, and he's like, I got him, I got him. And he's so mad that Walter kicks out, and like seconds later, Walter has him in the choke, and he's just shouting, no, no, no. It's his frustration that's building over years now, but (laughs) really hinges these matches together. And, yeah, I definitely recommend people hit up WXW now and go watch the rest of their series, because it has just been... It's been quite a journey, and we've still got a long way to go on it. And it's very cool that they're making stops in other promotions to do the
2: match. It's like a, I mean, I don't know how it will end, but it's like a wrestling tragedy, isn't it? It's just, you feel so bad for David yeah. Starr. Like you mentioned, even if he hits like a, a big chop or something like that, Walter just has yeah. to outdo it, him. It's all based on the, the physicality
1: stuff. and like the physical differences between them. Like Starr is no less of a wrestler. He's just not big enough or strong enough <laughs> to make a permanent dent in Walter.
2: Yeah. And he's, he's so good in these matches as well. It's his selling is a big part of it. That yeah. he just this ragdoll selling. Where I mean, you never know in a Walter match how much of it is really selling. But <laughs> I think he, David Starr plays this dejected man so well, even after the match, you know, examining his wounds but yeah you mentioned i mean fight club pro you know there are issues with, with long-time storytelling sometimes but this was kind of the match that the fits fight club pro perfectly because you could just you didn't even need to know the story here as soon as you see the two men oh, in the yeah. ring and how they look just how they look at each other how dismissive walter is to david star and how desperate david star is, is to beat him that's all you need to know and you can you can go from there and yeah i think the, the fight club pro it, this was a surprise on the night and when when that ring camp music hit, and, and walter came out he got a, a huge response and i was just very jealous that i, that I wasn't there for this one it, it, <laughs> it was a, lot a spectacle
0: of were, weren't they especially uh when they started going at it heavy heavy and hard you know a lot of people were quite jealous that they weren't there weren't they yeah, definitely
2: um but i do think part of it as well i noticed with the crowd it got towards the end of the match and i've noticed there's a couple of Walter matches where for the finish the crowd got a little bit quiet because it's almost like after the big violent spectacle you just want mercy mm-hmm. you just want bolter to pull him out of his misery and and almost end the match there's that hyper realism to it but yeah i think a lot of people were disappointed they weren't here for this one so credit to, to fight club bro for pulling it out of the bag even if yeah i'm one of those people
0: I mean, while we're talking about Walter, he's been making loads of appearances for promotions all over Europe and the USA, hasn't he? And I mean, there was a rumor circling, circulating rather last week by Dave Meltzer that WWE has reached out to him. I mean, uh, Ollie, can you see him joining his ring camp teammate Marcel Barthel in Orlando, the former Axel Dieter Jr., obviously?
1: <laughs> well, big daddy Dave uh, stirring up trouble wherever he goes. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'd certainly... And he wouldn't put it. i certainly wouldn't put it, put it out of the question. That Walter's been contacted by WWE. That he's been in touch. Um, <laughs> obviously, uh, Walter denied any contractual talks. Um, but I, the thing is, he has a job in WXW. He is um, like the head of the academy there, and like he's sort of head of in ring as well. Like he sort of determines the the wrestling product there. So he, like he's on the payroll. He's got a stable job. Um, like a stable life in Austria and Germany, and that, that's very unlike a lot of indie guys who are just sort of going day to day and aren't making any real money on it. Like he, he, he has that stability that a lot of guys lack, which is why they want to go to WWE because that is that provides the stability that provides for the, the great contract or whatever. Um, so <laughs> whether Walter would actually want to do it is a bigger question than like ninety nine percent of other guys um but yeah <laughs> it's certainly one to keep an eye out because obviously wwe sign guys who are headliners and walter's been headlining places making big waves in progress and you got to believe that is a big part of like why the rumors are circulating <laughs> but yeah i wouldn't want to comment any further than that yeah it's certainly it's-
0: a story that we'll keep uh we'll keep her on but moving back to this show uh, we had the main event was for the fight club pro championship we had chris brooks taking on millie mckenzie and a. Millie McKenzie's been a huge success story for Fight Club Pro, hasn't she? She's really started coming to prominence for the company last summer. Uh, Looks fantastic in uh, a lot of multi-man matches and she's started to appear for uh, a variety of promotions all over the country. I mean, she's got tons of potential and uh, people really get behind her as a uh, this underdog and it's only only 17 but i felt uh, a singles main event at this point in her career was a a big ask for her i mean it certainly wasn't a bad match but i felt he might have held off on this for a, a, a while more until she's a bit more experienced obviously not slight on her she's done so much and certainly a crowd favorite but um i thought this was a, a big ask to main event a show so mm. soon benno
2: yeah i think i definitely had similar kind of issues with the match and that I mean Miller McKenzie here getting a title shot before Omari um mm. that seemed odd for me from the start but yeah there were definitely problems in the match they did get get me in the end there were big pops when she was kicking out of the the that I don't know Chris Brooks calls it but there were big moments towards the end of the match but it just felt like a lot they were really trying there were lots of big spots in the match not all of which came off um the crowd kind of were quiet in part, although, like I say, they did kind of get there at the end. But, yeah, I was kind of watching the match thinking, is Millie McKenzie kind of ready for, for this spot? Is, is it too early to do this? And and Chris Brooks, can he, you know, carry up his end of the bargain and maybe taking a, a less experienced wrestler and, and delivering a main event uh, quality match? It was it was good but it wasn't great. There was a, I mean, there was an element of story there. I like that the Chris Brooks was back magically to be in his detestable best. You know, uh, even there's a spot in the match where he offered merely began to drink of water and spat on her through the bottle at her. Though that's kind of the dirty grimy chris brooks that that we all uh, fell in love with originally um, but i think that's probably part of the problem that we all fell in love with him and he kind of became a, a de facto baby face everywhere um but yeah i think he was good in his role in moments there was just something about the overall that didn't really connect for me but at least they're doing something at least chris brooks's main event and shows at least he's defending his staying. and i like that the you know the ends of the 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 match the he was almost trying to, to judge uh, doing a title defense at the DTTI because he's in the tag tournament Kind of playing it into storyline that there's a reason Chris Brooks hasn't defended his belt much. It's because he's a shitbag and he, he doesn't want to defend his belt <laughs> and he doesn't want to you know come as close as he, he appeared to here uh, to lose to Millie McKenzie. So it wasn't all negative. The were positive to the match. It just yeah wasn't quite on the, the main event level that I was maybe hoping for or maybe is even reasonable to expect from Millie McKenzie at this point.
0: uh, There were a lot of shenanigans at the end, weren't there? Interference from Ginny, you know, Millie won the belt only for the decision to be overturned due to her using uh, Kid Lycos' baking tray on Chris Brooks. And uh, after the restart, Brooks won, and then Kid Lycos and Ginny joined in, beating on (laughs) Millie. And I mean, uh, were you a fan of this match here, Ollie?
1: It it was enjoyable, again, in parts. I, I thought it was a bit too long. Like, again, Millie McKenzie's only 17 and hasn't even been wrestling professionally for a year. So it it is a big ask for her to step up into this main event role. And then they threw like every single heel spot at the wall to see what stuck. Like he had the the two refs, the the fake title win, all the baking trays stuff, interferences from (laughs) two people with two good arms between them. (laughs) It was, it was a lot to keep track of. Um, like, and, yeah just (laughs) very story heavy uh towards the end um and yeah i i did think it's odd that they can't really decide who they want to push more omari or millie like i i'd prefer to see millie sort of grow slower and slower and work her way up rather than get thrust immediately into big matches like this because omari's more ready than she is omari's been wrestling longer um And said, like, Millie should be the one winning a seven-way rando match with all the comedy characters at the beginning of the show, not the person who just won your big tournament and is, like, got crowned as, like, your face of the promotion. Like, you don't see Okada dogging it in uh, opening matches. Like, you don't see Jordan Devlin in OTT and, like, kick off a show (laughs) in a seven-man comedy match. Like, that's the difference. Like, FCP should have crowned Omari with his infinity win and in it, it's that it just seems like he's back to treading the water, treading in water again um, whereas they really should be developing him for a big title win down the line. It it just seems all over the place and again just kind of speaks to Fight Club Pro lacking an identity the only identity they really have is in Omari and Kyle Fletcher in Millie McKenzie they're homegrown guys and girls and I, I like that the booking sort of revolves around them but it also means that it hinges a lot on young shoulders.
0: Uh, ben, I mean, there were a lot of other big names scattered around the show. Were there any other highlights for, from this event for you?
2: Um, I, th- I don't know. I mean, so there was just an air of this card where everyone's waiting for the DTTI. And I think even I think that'll be a good thing for, for Fight Club Pro to kind of reset things and get us going again. Um, because, yeah, I, I thought it was an okay show, but nothing particularly blow away from the show really. I thought, even Matt Riddle and Pete Dunn, I- I've been really excited to, to see Matt Riddle in Fight Pro. I do think he- he's going to be a great fit. They even had to come out to the proper version of uh, Warren G's Regulate, which <laughs> I appreciated. Although Dunne got his crappy WWE theme. Um, that was a good match, but again, it was... Maybe part of it was it was coming after the Walter match, which was incredible. Um, and the crowd was a bit quiet after after all that madness. But again, it didn't feel like high-end Pete Dunne. It didn't feel like high-end Matt Riddle. And it just felt like a, a match that was kind of thrown together. So, yeah, I do think that maybe Fight Club Pro, uh, like Ollie said, maybe lacking a little bit of identity, but maybe just we're in a holding pattern until we get to the dream tag team invitational and like it did last year, hopefully it resets their year and it uh, and it puts, you know, more, more eyes on fight club pro. And it's, it's, it's another big event for them because yeah, right now I've not been hugely fussed on the last few shows. And there's been moments of greatness like the, the Walter David star match. Um, but, uh, you know, just a, a general lull. I felt like uh, around the promotion in general.
0: And, uh, moving away from the UK to our, uh, Neighbours in Germany, uh, WXW 16 Carrot kicks off uh, this week, Uh, Westside Extreme Wrestling from Germany, I mean this is their annual three-day tournament, it happens on the 9th, 10th and 11th of March and uh, it's one of the biggest tournaments of the European wrestling calendar and uh, last year it featured a fantastic final between Ilya Dragunov and Walter and Benno and Ollie are uh, both heading across to Oberhausen, oh, on yes. the west side of Germany. And Oli, can you tell us more about WXW and why 16 carat is so important for people who might not have seen it before?
1: I can indeed, yeah. <laughs> this is basically a wrestling Christmas uh, for me. <laughs> and I feel like after the match you just mentioned, Walter versus Ilya, last year, which got uh, you know, Universal plaudits... Uh, the only non-WWE or New Japan match in the top 10 of the Voices of Wrestling in <laughs> Match of the Year poll. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, that was a, a seminal match, really. Um, and it got them a lot of more attention, I think. And at the right time, too, because WXW have invested a lot in production, which is something that we haven't really seen from the big hitters in Britain that, like, the, all this post-production stuff, the the match graphics, and then using that to create sort of a, a look for each and every uh, major show they have. They call them marquee events. Like, they've defined them, that these are the 10 or 11 shows a year that we're going to put lots and lots of effort into um, and make them feel different to each other and feel special. And they did a really good job with that last year to make those big shows feel important and make it not just a, you know, a twice-a-year promotion that we have to dip into, but something that we really have to pay attention to. And even though they lost uh, Axel Dutton Jr. to WWE, they managed to sort of turn that negative of losing that ring camp storyline into a positive by building a promotion around uh, a new heel group called Rise, led by Bad Bones, who's one of their top stars. Um, and they turned sort of a, a faceless goon group not dissimilar to like NWO tactics <laughs> for, for the first couple of months of existence into just this incredibly compelling uh dra- into team drama where like the relationships between all the guys mattered <laughs> and like the results of matches were fractured and they lost stuff based on who disliked who within the group, but they're all still in it because they're in it for money or they're in it for their family or whatever it's been a very interesting time with just these guys nobody had really heard of before suddenly becoming focal points of promotion and around that of course they've been having great matches with walter um ilia dragon of face bad bones and hasn't been seen since since he lost um in december so we'll see if that comes back in carrot whether he is gone for good or whether that's more of a storyline than we thought and obviously in 16 Carat, they bring in lots of special guys from overseas to mix up with um, their own guys. And it's it's an interesting mix this time. Shall we run down the uh, the bracket, the opening Indeed. matches? Indeed. So uh, we'll start off with two guys that we know very well. <laughs> Travis Banks versus Mark Haskins. Um, we've got Matt Sidal, who we haven't seen for ages. Oh, yeah, I didn't <laughs> even, since even realize he, he a, was there, yeah. Took an extended trip to Hawaii, <laughs> and he's up <laughs> against Lucky Kid, who's one of those RISE members who has, has had an, a very interesting time since he uh, hit his partner and uh, mentor, Tarkan Aslan, in the head with a chair. And since they, then, they've retired Aslan from competition, and he's now Lucky Kid's manager, and that's been a very compelling storyline over the past couple of months. Uh, then a the big boy match, uh, Avalanche versus Keith Lee, Avalanche has been very impressive this year since he came back from injury, lost a lot of weight, and is now a lot leaner, a lot stronger. And I think this could be a real breakout match. They really want a great performance out of Avalanche against Keith Lee. Uh, got Jonah Rock versus Timothy Thatcher. Got DeMack versus Matt Riddle. We'll know DeMac from the Cruiserweight Classic, but he's yeah. another member of Rise, and he's sort of uh, Bad Bones' right-hand man because uh, he was trained under Bad Bones. Uh, we got Chris Brooks versus Alexander James. It's a big spot for Alexander James, uh, who is from America, but has had two extended stays in WXW. He was one of uh, the leading trainers in their academy when he was over uh, in October, and we got to have a good talk with him uh, at the academy, and he seems like he's got his head really screwed on. He's a really high wrestling IQ and is really dedicated to WXW, so they've given him this 16-carat spot as a reward for that. And obviously, it's an interesting match between two technical guys, but two very different approaches to that technical style between Brooks and James. And then what I assume will be the main event, uh, which we'll get into in a minute, but Absolute Andy versus Marius Alani, two former tag partners. Andy surprisingly turned on Alani last October in the tag league, since then, they've kept them apart, and now this is going to be their first meeting since that betrayal. So that's going to be very exciting. The original main event of night one was supposed to be Jern Simmons versus David Starr, but Jern Simmons has been injured. Um, so he's out of the tournament, very unfortunately, because they'd really built the that match well. Again, another battle of two former partners. So unfortunately, David Starr won't be able to get his revenge uh, on Ian Simmons, but instead he'll fight one of Julian Nero, Ivan Kiev, Emil Satochi, or Julian Pace, whoever wins uh, the opening match. Um, and all four of those guys are um, native guys looking to make their mark.
0: Um, well, that's and then, a big loss for them isn't it Jern and Simmons because he's yeah, like a quite a big star for WXW so that's such a shame for him and the company that he's out for uh, for that weekend I mean uh, Benno I mean this is your first time heading over for WXW are you uh, really looking forward to uh, heading out to Germany with Ali and uh, the rest of wrestling Twitter as it was <laughs> <laughs>
2: does seem like everyone's going doesn't it It's um, yeah I, I mean haven't what a uh, Ollie talk about it on previous shows and uh, listening to talk about this weekend last year and the tag league weekend on that old show that we used to do Um, yeah, I couldn't be more excited really, just the the weekend as a whole is what I'm excited for, just just to be there really there's so much (laughs) packed in press conferences and daytime shows and nighttime shows and after parties that I've heard all kinds of uh, stories about from from Ollie and other people. Uh, stories that we probably won't be able to tell on the podcast <laughs> when we come back. Uh, but yeah, just the weekend as a whole being out there, it's just it's an incredible thing that the WCXW have created. We talked earlier about the fact that, that Walter probably isn't going to want to leave and, and go to WB, and I think that says it all about what they've they've delivered here and what they've, they've put together. There's a whole wrestling universe out there in Germany, and I'm i wouldn't uh, ever profess to be the expert that ollie is on, on wxw but i'm excited to, to go out there and learn and and experience it all because there's just there's so much good stuff that i've seen from wxw on vod but it looks like it's going to be quite the uh, the different thing to to actually be there in person and get to to see it all uh, so yeah i'm hyped can't wait i think it's going to be an incredible weekend and yeah if any any of our listeners are out there do uh, do say hello
1: Yeah, um, the main event of night two is always um, their big world championship match, and this year it's between Bad Bones and Walter, sort of their two biggest stars, Um, and that'll be very intriguing to see where that result goes, Um, you know, Rise have sort of been Ring Camp's greatest rivals, and so that's just a big collision between their two biggest forces, and that should be quite the event um and then obviously night three semi-finals and a big final but it's kind of difficult to predict a winner so i'm not gonna go out on a limb and make <laughs> myself look like a fool
0: <laughs> fair enough and uh, yeah a couple of news stories like i said before we head out of here uh, Josh Bottom, I mean, in a random turn of events, Red Pro regular Josh Bodham uh, headed east the other week for some shows with All Japan Pro Wrestling. And obviously, <laughs> Red Pro have got their relationship with New Japan. If you were expecting Bottom to head over to Japan, you'd expect it to be the New Japan rather than All Japan. I mean, this came out of left field, didn't it, Benno? Uh, Bodham heading over and being the big Gaijin star in all Japan.
2: <laughs> I think that's what it's going to be, is it? There's going to be people all over Japan with Josh Bodham t-shirt. It's it's strange, isn't it? It's almost like with Bottom, he's got to forge his own path. There's just something about him that he he doesn't quite get the, the mainstream opportunities of other wrestlers, despite his, his skill level and his excellent work that he's done in RevPro the last two years now, kind of fed up with calling him undergrater because he is just so good. Um, but yeah, it's a great thing that he's going to be out in all Japan. Hopefully he gets noticed while he's out there. There, and we get to see him do, you know, some of the great work that he's done over here, over there as well. Um, it's a crazy one with Josh Bodham. I just, I would like to see him in, in more high-profile places, um, especially over here in the UK. He's such a such a great talent, a great, great detestable heel. Um, so yeah, maybe this will be the, be the start of something. But hey, it's a it's definitely a dream of, of many a wrestler to, to get to Japan and all Japan. Okay, they might not be in the in the place that they, they were in the past, but it's still a prestigious thing to get. So great for him and, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what they do with
0: him. Any thoughts on uh, Jeff Bottom in Old Japan, Ollie?
1: Oh, it's beautifully random, isn't it? <laughs> but they do have uh, quite the cast of juniors over there and also not a lot of pushed juniors, so he might actually get quite a good run there um, because they, he, there's a lot of guys for him to go over and <laughs> maybe they will book him up as, like, a junior stan hansen <laughs> and they can go for a run or maybe it's just for one show to make Koji iwamoto look good I, it could go either way but uh, i'm excited to see that show
0: <laughs> yeah same here and it will be interesting to see if he gets more dates with that. room. remember that'd be great for him because uh like you know there but now he's not getting used nowhere near enough in in the uk so it'd be great to see him uh all over japan and uh and finally, before we head out of here, I mean, we discussed Five Star Wrestling's tour and TV show a few shows ago, and their tour continues to rumble on. And, uh, Benno, you caught their latest show from Belfast. Anything good happening in the world of Five Star?
2: No. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know why I do it to myself To be honest but I don't know. Yeah, they, they've cancelled the show coming up this week in Aberdeen Due to the weather, the weather that is cleared mm. um, There's all kinds of rumours going on Rey Mysterio missed the show, the last show Late plane tickets for wrestlers They created the British belt on this show And put it on Zach Gibson Just He kind of pulled it out of a red bag And all of a sudden he was the British champion um, Mainly because Jack Swagger's quit, I think uh, Morrison's going to be away doing lunch at Underground It's just strange um it does feel like the the end is nigh for five star the fact that they're they're starting to cancel shows they're coming up with the bullshit reasons that they they've done in the past um things don't look good but yeah this particular show it was kind of like it was just so bizarre they've been building up um zach gibson uh, and his little heel stable uh, with charlie sterling and the bloke from the reality shows and just The two of them, uh, the three of them have been quite a good heel act, but it's almost like Zach Gibson's been so good on his promos that they they seem to want to turn him face because Bram, of all people, came out of the crowd after teasing it for weeks and commentators uh, kind of talking in hushed tones and pretending that that he wasn't there. Bram came out of the crowd, attacked Zach Gibson. Um held up as british title held up the the middle finger as well or, or, on tv on pre- mm. pretty sure you're not allowed to do that mm. um just so strange it's just so random and it's just so five star to bring in bram of all people and it appears they've, they've made him the, the the top heel with like i said the commentators talking in hushed tones about how they they shouldn't be showing bram on tv um i mean if that's the case then then why would you even book him in the first place it just i don't understand it The the portraying Bramas this controversial character and Five Star is this controversial promotion so maybe it is a bit of a, a match made in hell but yeah that's kind of uh, I kind of questioned myself for, for turning that on and uh, sitting through another three hours of Five Star but hey at least I won't have to do it this Thursday coming up.
0: Well, yeah, it's a weird one because I watched the show from the week before it in Plymouth and it was in a lot smaller venue than the arenas had been running. It was quite full and it looked quite good on TV and they had a, a good match between Mark Haskins and Matt Riddle, but that's where it ended and then you had all the shenanigans <laughs> and stuff that you just mentioned. and uh, Yeah, and, I, and again, I regretted watching it for three hours. So, uh, yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see whether they are done now or whether they'll continue to... Uh, continue to run shows because obviously Rey Mysterio has uh, picked up an injury as well hasn't he so that's uh, their marquee name off the tour so it'll be interesting to see what they do now and uh, no doubt Benno will uh, continue to torture himself <laughs> by watching it week in week out and uh, tell us all about it on this show and uh, yeah be sure to head over to postwrestling.com check out all the rest of the shows and of course the uh, postwrestling forum Leave us your feedback for this week's show and uh, you can follow me on twitter at bushby01
2: and you can follow me on
1: Twitter at Richardy, e. And you can follow me on Twitter at AnotherRolly.
0: And uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back on the 22nd of March. And uh, Ollie and Benno will have their uh, live reviews from uh, 16 Carat. And we'll also be talking all the latest from the British wrestling scene.